Welcome to the All Booked Podcast, where librarians Ashley, Justin, Britton, and Rosa talk about what they're reading and adding to each other's TBR list. All right, welcome back to the All Book Club. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, This is for January 3rd, Season 4, Episode 4 of our show here, and Britton (laughs) is going to kick us off as always. Take it away. Okay, so I am going to do the Murderbot Diaries. This sounds really loud. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I've been wanting to do this forever. You have been saying this. It's very complicated, so I'm going to try and distill it down. Cool. Science fiction. They're novellas, speaking of short books. Most of them. There is at least one full-length novel. And um, it's set in an unknown future Corporations basically rule instead of governments. So Skynet. (laughs) And um, there's a lot of exploration and space travel. When you're going somewhere, you need to take a security unit with you because there's all sorts of crazy flora and fauna on all these new Mm. planets that we're going to. These security units are part, quote, biological material that's cloned and part robot construct. Okay. And they're essentially highly trained killing machines. But they need to have some intelligence to be any good at their job. So they've given them some intelligence which basis basically gets us into the whole like AI. I, thing. This yeah. is a yeah. sentient being, you know. Mm-hmm. But we don't want these guys to just go, you know, kill everybody so they have a governor module that they have to obey their orders or they it's get iRobot. So that's the background, right? Okay. Our narrator okay. has hacked its governor module. Of course, of course it did. It doesn't know what it wants to do, what it wants to be. So it's just pretending that it hasn't hacked its governor module and is just going along. Okay, oh, I've yikes. been hired here. All Murderbot, because he calls himself Murderbot, <laughs> all Murderbot's doing is downloading as much entertainment feed as possible <laughs> and watching hour after hour of shows and music, mostly Sanctuary Moon, the rise and fall of Sanctuary Moon, which is its favorite show. <laughs> and then when he has to, or it, I should say, because they're gender neutral, when it has to, it'll go rescue the stupid, fragile humans. <laughs> so... Totally misanthropic, very snarky and sarcastic, very social anxiety, like don't look at me. Mm-hmm. It's always uh, fading its shields so that there's no eye contact and just kind of going through life pretending like it's not mm. aware of everything that's happening. But on this most uh, current in the first book, which is called All Systems Red, on this mission – in order to save two humans, Murderbot starts trying to calm a human down and is basically walking this guy through, talking about his kids, doing all sorts of things that a security unit would not be doing. So it kind of gets damaged some and goes uh, shuts down, and then when it comes to, everybody's looking at it. Oh, wow. And it's like, what? Oh, Why y'all looking at me? Right. <laughs> right. So... These people are from a planet that has um, is more of an independent planet, okay. and so they are 
some of them saying this is a highly skilled killing machine that's gone rogue mm-hmm. and we need to disable it. Some of them are saying this is a human being and needs to be treated. Meanwhile, murder bots like, just leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hilarious. I just want to watch my shows. Yeah, I just yeah. want to. And with the more stressed it gets, the more Murderbot wants to rewatch favorite episodes. Oh so God, I was just like, the I, I, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it, Sanctuary it. Moon is the comfort, you know, so... It's pretty awesome. Um, the I give myself all these notes here. Each of them is a um, sort of a mission, if you will. Okay. And they do all tie together. You want to read them in order. There's a ton of science in here that I got to admit, I just let wash right mm, over yeah. me. Okay, mm-hmm. wormholes. And there's a lot of um, sabotage and backstabbing and things that I do try to follow because it really makes it a lot more interesting. But the bread and butter of this stuff is the fun, funny commentary of this misanthropic, totally anxiety-filled, don't know who I am, don't know what I am mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. So I, they're very How quick reads. The newest one that just came out is the seventh. Oh, wow. Okay. But one, they're, they're short. They're well, there's actually another one in there that is the full-length novella that's kind of, I wouldn't say you could read it first, but mm-hmm. it's It's not the same story. It's kind of a side story, a side adventure. Okay, cool. These are YA. They're no. not YA, but they have won, they won, the first one at least, won the Alex Award. Okay. Oh, wow. Hugo. Nebula, interesting. Locus, an award I'd never heard of. All sorts of awards. Um, they're awesome. They really are great. It seems and like it's interesting because there's not a ton in the system, mm-hmm. but the ones that are there are all going out, and and they're all available. I think through Libby. I listen to them, which makes it even better because Murderbot's voice is literally in your ear reading yeah. talking about oh, the stupid humans want to go and try and rescue that one and they're just all going to die and, you know. <laughs> that's great. yeah so that's Murderbot Diaries highly recommend that one they announced a movie deal for that I you know my brother was telling me that it'll be yeah. really interesting because people are not happy really really because well, they got Alexander Skarsgård as Murderbot <gasps> uh, Oh, I love the scars guards. Well, I All do of them. too. Every last one. Why? <laughs> that yeah, man does not deserve to be covered in a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. They they the one of the things Dr. Mensa, who is the human leading this expedition in the first one, is like you can't keep doing that. Now mm-hmm. that we know that you are not some yeah. nameless, faceless. You can't keep hiding yourself. Right. Like the people need to see you. You right. need yeah. to. Right. And some of them are arguing back and forth. And they all have feeds, which from what I can understand, it's in their head. Have you read these? Yeah. Okay. So it's like in their head, right? Yeah. <laughs> the feeds are, are in their head. It's basically That's very be hard to make a movie. Yeah. Well, you'll, I don't know. They'll if probably they can do it find Star Wars. I'm sure they can yeah. pull it off. But you yeah. can tap into different feeds and you can get yeah. private feeds and he can hack anything so he's constantly and then he's like bribing other bots there's a pilot bot and he wants to get a ride on that ship so he's like i got thirty five thousand hours of downloaded media you want some media wow it's really cool it sounds like a fun fun book i really like them have you read the newest one um not yet i'm waiting for my hold (laughs) ah i've got it 
Sorry. <laughs> I'm waiting for the audiobook. Okay. Yeah. Um, then my other book is Where You See Yourself. And this is um, very different. This is realistic fiction. This is Effie, who has cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair. Effie's a senior in high school. And like all seniors in high school who are looking to go to college, going through the whole process of trying to find the right college. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole different set of criteria that any college that Effie wants to go to needs to meet. Mm -hmm. So Effie and her parents have been on this for several years, and all of her friends are just starting with the, oh, I don't know where to go. And Mm -hmm. She has a school that's her dream school. What she wants to do is get into um, be a journalist, social media possibly, magazines maybe. Mm -hmm. She wants more representation for people with disabilities in mass media. And she's found the perfect school for it, but she's afraid her mom won't let her go. So she's busy trying to convince her mom that she could handle going far away Mm -hmm. to school. And at the same time, she also kind of has to figure out whether or not she actually could because she hasn't been to this school. Mm -hmm. So she's not really sure if it is truly accessible, whether or not she'll be able to get into a dorm room, you know. So I found it really interesting. Um, it is uh, a shame to say, I am ashamed to say, hadn't really thought about all those issues because I'm living my abled life and not having to deal with it. But um, You're I not think, the only one. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think Effie really has a very strong voice mm-hmm. and a very, um, I don't want to say sympathetic voice because I don't feel like I feel sympathy for, but very empathetic. I've I've felt a a strong connection. Um, And she's got a a good support network with some friends and family. And there's a bit of a love interest in there who might actually have that same school as his first choice, Mm -hmm. you know. (laughs) Nice, Um, nice. An extra bonus, if you listen to the audio book, which is on Hoopla, it's read by Ridgewood's own Allie Stroker. (gasps) Who, if you don't know, we know, but if you don't know, Allie um, was the first actor in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. to uh, be on Broadway and win a Tony for an award. She's amazing. She does everything. She writes. She sings. She writes. She (laughs) She sings. She she narrates. Narrates. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, another really good one. She's a good. She's a good voice too. Obviously, obviously. <laughs> Tony. Yeah. but she because um, she, she narrated her book too. Yes, and she has yeah. a nice narration voice. Yeah, really absolutely, nice. absolutely. Very so cool. that's me. Awesome. Thank you, Brent. Yeah. Um, my two books. So I'm going to start off with honestly, uh, Kandar Blake. Kandar Blake is my hero. Uh, <laughs> she wrote a lot of things, but her latest one is called The Champion of Fate. And it is part of, it's the first part of a duology called The Hero Makers. Mm-hmm. And it's so cool. Action packed, like you just hit the ground running. Um, so basically, the story is about these women who are these mythical female warriors called like the Aristine and like just imagine like Amazonian women who speak like millions of languages and just like know their worth and like basically what it is is like they're entered into this like world and they're raised to kind of build heroes like they're set up set into the real world they're assigned to somebody and they basically lift 
these heroes up to their full potential. It's it's like crazy. <laughs> so basically, we have our main character, Reed, who is unfortunately, like with everything, a really sad beginning. Like they, you literally cry like the first five minutes of the book because you're just like, this poor girl. Um, basically, like, spoiler alert, like she becomes an orphan um, and basically finds her way into the world of the Airsteins. And now she's, you know, a couple of years have passed. She's ready to become a hero maker. She's ready to f- meet her assignment. But of course... <laughs> Stuff happens. We Stuff meet this. Happens. We meet the hero, and there's love. There's there's brothers. There's dueling. There's brothers. There's so <laughs> I, I, I I mean I don't want to spoil it, but basically, um, hopefully not she, no, not together. No, 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 no. But there's kind of there's two brothers. One is becoming the king, and while the other one is following the footsteps, but one is fated to be a hero, and the other one really is not, and. Mm. It's it's interesting because like you meet these women and they all go their own separate ways. They're all assigned a different hero and they're all playing the different sides. So like you don't know who to root for because oh, yeah. like they're all have they all have the potential to have like a really good guy. But like who's the bad guy? Who's the good yeah. guy? Like you don't know. But it's really interesting what she does with the story and just kind of the question around it. But honestly guys like the action scenes, the fight scenes, like I am, I'm ready. I'm ready to see this. Like I, it's, it's in my head. Like she paints like such an amazing like picture. Um, like I'm talking about like battle scene of like Troy. Like that's like, that's how I imagine this whole thing. Like the Amazonians and like Wonder Woman, like this is exactly, if that's your cup of tea, definitely pick up uh, Kendara's Blake, uh, the champion of fate. My second book is a little rough. <laughs> you chose um, like a favorite author. I did. And then one that you okay. sometimes have struggles mm, with. Disclaimer. So Britain and a few of my fellow librarians are in the midst of reading um, mock award books. So these are the books that we think have potential to win the prize as the best book of the year, basically, for young adult. So I am furiously getting through all of the books some i've so far been great while others i have a hard time with because i'm not a big fan of the author for some reason and that brings us to deb coletti deb coletti (laughs) i have a love-hate relationship with deb coletti let me let me just set this to a point she's an excellent writer she is. Girlfriend knows how to develop a plot, create characters, but her characters are the worst. Like, I cannot stand how selfish this this teenager is. But so, Are they supposed <laughs> to be the worst? Yes, yes, I mean, yes. You know, but, there are... That, that may be the point. I she know. may be proving how excellently she writes I, because it, it really is getting under your skin. And this it. is my point exactly. Yeah. I, we have a love-hate relationship because <laughs> it's just so either it's really she's well written your that I'm just like my buttons are really pushed. Um, so basically we have um, Plan A by Deb Coletti. Um, basically it's a story about a 16-year-old girl named Ivy who finds herself in a predicament. She is pregnant and in the town where she lives in, which is Paris, Texas, it is illegal to get an abortion. Now, this is this book, let me just put it out there, 
in no way one or another pushes people to say that abortion is right or abortion is wrong. It literally gives you both sides. And that, that I think is what makes this book so unique is because it doesn't preach one way or the other. It gives you her story and not just her story. It gives you like all the women that she meets. So basically, let me rewind this. She basically gets approval from her mother to go across country to the West Coast to visit her grandma where it is legal to get an abortion. So she decides that she's going to do it. Her boyfriend, Lorenzo, who is just like the, the sweetest guy in the world, you just love him. Everything about him just screams like, this is the guy you marry. This is the guy you end up with. I know you're 16, but like... When you meet somebody, you meet someone, and this is your someone. That's exactly, like, what what it is. Um, But he goes on this trip with her, and they basically, along the way, meet, like, family members, friends of the family, and everybody has a story. And, like, what's so scary about it is he even said that he was doing research about abortion, and one in four women have abortions. Like, that number is scary. (laughs) It's a scary number. There's four of us. (laughs) Like, that's that's crazy. So... Again, I think the book is very well done. And it's not just about like her. It's about the stigmatism. Like she Mm -hmm. literally like you grow up in Texas. Everybody knows you. Everybody knows your business. And the minute that somebody knows something happened, like everybody knows. So obviously everybody in town knows that she's not visiting grandma. She's on this road trip. So like she's, you know, dealing with all of that and those stigma. So I think it really... It really brought up a lot of questions mm-hmm. and lots of topics that are very, very hot right now, yeah. <laughs> like a mm-hmm. hot topic. Um, but again, I think it is definitely for older teens, definitely, definitely like goes over like the shame, the stigmatism, like issues with consent and like what that's like. And and just everybody just has their own story. And mm-hmm. it's amazing. Like it's really well done. Um much to my disbelief. <laughs> so, is it getting your vote? I, I think I think I will vote for this one. Um, to win the print. I know. I there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good. There's ones. a lot of good ones on the yeah. list. I, I I mean, I'm still voting for Steve. Like the yeah. Impossible Escape yeah. was still up yeah. there in my in my opinion. Um, and if tomorrow doesn't come as well, is pretty up there. Right. Um, but again, I, I think I still have like maybe two more to to weed out. You're ahead um, of me. But yeah, it's been an exciting prom mock prince <laughs> ride, guys. A lot of depressing books on the list yeah, this yeah. year. Yeah. But I always feel like that's the way it's it always is. It's great holiday reading. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Just perfect in time for uh, your holidays. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next? I'm next. <laughs> All right. All right. So... <laughs> I did one book, and even that <laughs> didn't finish it. But it's all right. Had a busy December. Um, so I'm going to talk about Dead Flip by Sarah Farazan. Um, it's literally under 300 pages. Like, there's no excuse for me to not have finished this. But it's got one year old. I do have an almost one year old. That's true. That is true. Isn't it a stranger thing? Yes. I so, was about to say, it's got a stranger yes, feel to it. The From what I read, the reviews um, said that this is a blend of um, – Stranger Things meets Jumanji. So, uh, sold. Yeah, but, well, exactly. Two things that I really love. Yeah. So I gave it a shot. So um, it's, it is very much like Stranger Things. So it takes place in like the late 80s. And it, it takes place in the 80s, but then it, it jumps to 1992. So there's like a five-year gap that oh. it jumps back and forth between. So um, Maz, Corey, and Sam are best friends. 
and they um, they're young kids and doing what young kids do. They it's the summer. It's you know the eighties. They're they're at each other's houses. There's sleepovers. It's it's there's lots of like name dropping and brand dropping and stuff like that. So it it really puts you in that time mm-hmm. period, which is great. It's a lot of fun. Um, so they go to Rob's, which is an arcade, and. Rob has Rob's a nice guy. He you know he calls him the Three Stooges, and uh, they um, he has this thing called I think it's called the Sorcerer is the name of the pinball machine. Uh-oh. And yeah, <laughs> so um, so Sam makes his way over to it, and um, he's talking to to Corey, and something happens to him where like he kind of zones out, and Corey's looking at him like, "All right, you good?" And then like he comes back too, and he's perfectly fine, like nothing had happened. But she was really concerned about him because he was like unresponsive. Mm-hmm. So they they let it go. They're like, "That's a, that's a weird game. Let's not play that one again." So, <laughs> so then, so then they leave, and then it um, it gets to be Halloween night, and Corey and Maz are um, Sam is the glue that keeps that friendship together. So Corey is starting to kind of like experiment with some other friends and leaving Maz and Sam out. Aww. So it it yeah, it, it's I think it's very very realistic to think that a kid is going to start expanding their friend of group. So um so anyway, it's Halloween night and Corey invites them to her friend's house. And first of all, she shows up not wearing a costume that's on theme with the rest of them, so she, they're already <sighs> upset with her. Uh-huh. Um and then she doesn't want to go on their usual route. She wants to take them to some party. So they're upset. So Sam is upset. Um, so they kind of end up arguing and Maz is kind of in between. Maz also kind of has a little thing for Corey. So he's like, no, let's go to the party. It'll be fine. So Sam's like, what? Like I'm losing all my friends and my plans in one night. So they all break off and Sam is, is going to go walk home and he sees that Rob's is open. Typically Rob's closes at six. So it's after six and the lights are on. Mm. So he goes in on there. On Halloween. On Halloween. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's not creepy or anything. So no. Sam, <laughs> Sam goes in there and he goes up to the Sorcerer pinball game. And that's the last time you hear of Sam. Sam disappears after that. You never hear from him again. So Cor- uh, Corey and Maz then deal with the aftermath of missing Sam. They've yeah. been interviewed a million times by the police. They don't know what happened to him. He just disappeared. And his um, his family kind of his dad he was only with his dad his dad ends up moving to Florida like the whole world kind of just stops because Sam disappears. Oh my gosh! So um, five years later, everybody's kind of moved on. Um, Maz and Corey don't really talk at at all. They're friendly, not friends. Mm-hmm. And um, Maz is walking home and he sees like a hooded figure outside of his house, mm-hmm. and he looks at him and he's like. Like, who is that? And he thinks that's just something like, you know, like the mist or something that like, he doesn't know what it is. But then this figure turns and talks to him. He realizes <laughs> it's Sam <laughs> five years later. But Sam is not five years older. <laughs> Sam was stuck in the arcade game what? for the last five years. Whoa. So unknowingly to the rest of them, Corey has been spending the last five years researching missing people. That all happened to be in the same arcade area oh. at the time of their disappearance. Okay, that's where I'm going to leave it. Cool. Corey should <laughs> cool, maybe cool, tell cool. somebody so yeah. they stop playing with you that think. pinball machine, right? <laughs> right. I mean, but keep Rob's is out. 
So after oh. everything happened with Sam, the arcade shut down. Oh. So now they have to f- hunt down this arcade game to oh. see if they can rescue all the other people oh who might be God. trapped inside. Wow. That is so It's very good. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it's a very cool story. Um, it does alternate between – so it's, it can be a little bit confusing because it alternates between times and people. So it's like, okay, so who, my, who so is my it? Where are we? But so it was, it's very good. It's a very fast read. Um, what year is it? <laughs> what oh, year is it? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Robin Williams, what year is it? <laughs> exactly. Um, but it's it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend it. I haven't read anything else from Sarah Farazan, but uh, this one's a lot of fun. Is so. it in the universe of Stranger Things? Or like, no. no. Oh, nope, cool. it's its own, very own little cool. place, but it's very, I mean, th- you have the zombie boy, because yeah. he's called the ghost boy. Uh-huh. Um, like, there's a lot of the the disappearance, and then coming yeah. back, and time it's travel, cool. and uh, like, uh, there's a lot that's very Stranger Things-esque. So, if that's your thing, Sounds definitely cool. go for it. Sold. <laughs> yeah. so that's mine. You had me at time travel. <laughs> <laughs> Big Doctor Who fan. I know. So, I haven't read a lot. Because it's final. So what, like two? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm lot. going back to like something I read before that I haven't talked about, and it's um, Song of Silver Flame Like Night by Amelia Wenzhou. Um, uh, so this one is for people who like Star Wars and or sea dramas, which I know has gotten really, really popular lately, along with like K-dramas. Um, so I love a good K-drama. Right, so good. <laughs> but this one's like a fantasy. That's um, that's I would say there's also a little bit of Avatar: The Last Airbender in this, because um, this is set in a fantasy land inspired by ancient China. Um, they call it the Last Kingdom before the Atlanteans, who are <laughs> coded as British people. <laughs> Um, colonize the last kingdom. So we follow two perspectives. One is Lan, a girl who basically witnessed her village get raised and her mother die before, um, but not before her mother marks her with a symbol on her arm that nobody else can see but her. So her mother dies and she uh, basically scrapes by um, either stealing, scavenging, and um, working as... um, a song girl, like a singer slash entertainer at um, an entertainment house. That It's it's way safe, though. Um, and um, one day she gets a really rough customer and um, she, and then I think, uh, from what I remember, um, uh, the second protagonist comes in and rescues her from the rough customer. And he reveals that he can see the mark on her arm by asking her, what is that? She doesn't know what it means. It's something untranslatable. So um, she, and then he like disappears on her because his journey is about seeking revenge on the people who um, uh, murdered his family. So um, this girl, Lon, she chases after him and she asks him, how can you tell? Like, how how do you know you have a mark on my, I have a mark on my arm. And he's like, I can see it plain as day. I don't know what it means though. Mm-hmm. So he says, but I do know where we can find out how uh, and what it all means. So he takes her to a secret um, training school for magicians. And in a land that um, magic has like disappeared from, um, this is something 
totally like um that blew her mind and she basically has to learn that uh about her heritage and um what uh her mother died for what who her mother really is who her father really is and what uh what to do with this new kind of power that's growing in her and there's dragons and there's dragons <laughs> yes. I love and there's a sequel coming out yeah, yeah yeah that one um but yeah uh this one is very reminds me strongly of Star Wars, like the original um, uh, trilogy. Very um, focused on like uh, the chi and the force, that kind of thing, and that sort of coming of age journey to you know uh, understanding your own power and what you can do. But yeah, um, the second one. I know I put um, escaping Mr. Rochester, but I haven't finished that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to talk about Mr. Magic by Kirsten White. That one is an adult, but um, I think it has a really good, like, um, YA appeal because Kirsten White is just like that. And I really loved Hyde, her um, last uh, horror um, uh, release. So this one's another horror, maybe supernatural, uh, maybe mystery. So the premise is it opens up to introduce you to this children's TV show. It sounds just like any other TV show. Um, it's about um, these six kids who basically every episode learn like a new lesson about, you know, oh, um, helping, sharing, um, you know, dealing with emotions, that kind of thing mm-hmm. through rhymes and songs. And they're always six kids. Um, and these six kids, when they need help during their everyday lives, they um, summon somebody called Mr. Magic. Mr. Magic. I think I like this. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Magic has like a cape and a top hat, but nobody remembers what he actually looks like. Nobody remembers if he even has a face. Oh god. Oh, yeah. Magic. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And this this show has run from like the 30s all the way to the ne- to the 90s when it mysteriously just stops. Uh-uh disappears off the air and anything that um talks about it especially online gets taken down like right away it's like an episode of twilight zone and people are like going nuts like trying to figure out i remember this show when i was young i remember the songs i remember like the cast members causing the mandela effect (gasps) literally (laughs) but there's nothing online except for like a wikipedia article that's very vague nobody remembers who what mr magic looks like and there are no like listings, like TV listings, like saying which channel it came on, what time it was on. I'm like, officially freaked out. <laughs> yeah. So this show is basically just gaslighting the whole world. Yeah. And like, so this uh, story actually follows the cast members of the the last batch of cast members before um, it ended. Um, they were like around eight years old at the time it stopped. And we follow the perspective of Valerie, who has been living for the last 20 years on her father's ranch in Idaho. Very isolated. She's not even allowed to watch TV. She's not allowed to have a phone. Um she no internet access at all she just works on the ranch um and every summer she basically like opens the ranch for like sort of a camp for kids and um the start of the story is when her father dies and during her father's funeral three men show up and they tell her hey do you remember us and the thing she doesn't remember anything from before she was eight years old and um they tell her we were your fellow castmates 
we are going to this reunion for like the 20th anniversary of the show ending. And we're going to be like doing a podcast and interviews about it. Um, and also the mom that you thought that you killed when you were eight is actually oh. alive. So, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So she's like, wait, what? Okay. I have to go meet my mom. Right. So they go on a road trip. They end up uh, coming, uh, arriving too late. So she's like, okay, I probably shouldn't like bother my mom now. So they have to stay in this really, really creepy house that is in the middle of a desert with nothing else for miles all around um, with the other cast members. Nope. And, nope. That sounds nope. insane. Nope. <laughs> nope. And she has to find out who, like, why her memories are lost, what she actually did. She feels like she did something that ended the show catastrophically and possibly hurt her mom. And she mm. has to find out whether she was actually lured into this reunion. Oh, God. Mm. So. Yeah, definitely lured. Yeah. Like, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I'll end it there. But All right. This is a really, it's really absorbing. Like, yeah. you, I think Kirsten White is just really good at, like. Yeah, Hype yeah. is awesome. Yeah. Hype is the one at the amusement park, right? Yeah. The, the amusement park, that was really good. Yeah. I talked about that. Here. Yeah, mm -hmm. you did. That was a good, a good one. one. Oh, yeah. well. That about sums it up. Hopefully, you guys. Yeah, don't want to read that. This one. is so. This is such a varied like yes. list we got going yeah, on, yeah. friends. So hopefully, you guys enjoyed our uh, episode today and pick up maybe one of the books we suggested. And uh, we wish you all a happy New Year, happy holidays, and all of that fun stuff. Um, all right, take care, everybody. Bye. 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 Happy holidays. <laughs> The All Booked Podcast is written, edited, produced, and hosted by Justin, Ashley, Britton, and Rosa. All Booked is produced out of the Ridgewood Public Library. Please consider subscribing and sharing with friends and follow us on Facebook. You can find links to the books we talked about today in the description. Thanks for listening and keep reading.